Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. Joshua chapter 4 and in verse 1, it says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord. Then um, he says, each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. In verse 20 it says, And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites in the future when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just as he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. I want to bring this series to conclusion uh, this evening by preaching a message that I've entitled, Choose 12 Stones. And here we have this amazing moment in the journey of Israel when they are literally crossing the Jordan River from one side to the other. This is bringing to fulfillment, as we've been saying in the series, what God has been working on for literally 700 years of human history. Beginning with Abraham and then down through generations, God has been preparing for this moment when Israel is going to cross the Jordan River from one side to the other. And as they are getting ready for this Jordan crossing moment to occur, God speaks to Joshua and he says, as you go through the Jordan, I want you to choose 12 men and I want these 12 men to each choose a stone. Now the last time God commanded or the last time Israel selected 12 men, Those 12 men were to survey the land on the other side. And as we now know, that led to 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. In other words, God is literally itching at the scab of a pretty fresh wound in their national memory. He said to them, I want you to do exactly the same thing. I want you to choose 12 men. I want one to be from each tribe. But this time their task is going to be I want each one to take a stone. These are my stones tonight. I want them to take a stone from the middle of the Jordan River 
and I want them to carry it with you, and I want them to put it down on the other side of the Jordan River. God is saying there are going to be in our lives moments, moments when God does amazing things for you and for me. If we've been preaching anything in this series, we have been declaring that you and I, we are going to cross over some Jordans, that we're going to step into the promises that God has for us, that God doesn't want you to live Groundhog Day for the rest of your life, a fruitless and meaningless existence in a desolate, dry environment. God wants to take you out of the wilderness and bring you into the promised land. Turn your fruitlessness into fruitfulness. Take you from a barren place into a bountiful place. Take you out of desperation and into abundance. Do you believe that tonight? I believe God has a great plan for every person. He's got more in store for each and every one of us. And there are going to be moments when God moves in our lives. And in those moments, it's important that we learn from the journey of Israel that we see in our passage of Scripture tonight, as God says to them, I want you to choose 12 stones. I want you to take something with you from the middle of what you're going through, and I want you to carry it forward into the rest of your life. See, my friends, in the Bible, whenever we see stones, stones in the Bible always speak to us of memories. Memories. Beginning at the early days of the Bible, you'll find that stones begin to turn up. And whenever a, a pile of stones is erected in the Bible, whenever people take a few stones and they join them together and they create a structure out of it, you're always going to see that God is speaking to us of memories. When Noah came out of the ark, the Bible tells us that the moment the door of the ark opened and Noah stepped out and he has literally passed through the waters of judgment and come out the other side into a brave and a brand new world. The Bible tells us that the very first thing Noah did was he grabbed some stones and he built an altar and he sacrificed offerings to God. And he said, I will never ever allow myself to forget. I must remember this moment in my life. We find with Abraham that when Abraham was taken by God from a place called Haran and God led him to Canaan, that when he got to the promised land, the land that Israel is now stepping into 700 years later, that when he got to the land of Canaan, God gave him a dream and he said, Abraham, all that you see, I am going to give it to you. And knowing that this was a significant moment in his life, by the way, can I digress for a second to say that when God puts a promise in your heart, you're going to learn in this message that the difference between those whose promises come to pass and those who have moments of highs and encounters and church services and times at camps and conference moments, those whose lives are permanently changed are those who understand the importance of taking moments when God moves in your life and turning moments into monuments. There is power, there is power in a memory. We find with Jacob that Jacob had a dream and he saw the angels of God ascending and descending and when he woke up the next morning, he said, I, I've got to build an altar. I can never forget. I've got to build a memorial. I can never forget. 
And then, of course, obviously, we have in this passage of Scripture another moment, and they're all the way through the Bible. And literally, what God is saying to Joshua is He says, Joshua, you are about to go through the middle of the most amazing movement of God in your generation. This is going to be one of your defining moments in life. And God said to him, as you go through the miracle, take something with you. Take something with you. See, my friends, what unites you and I in this room tonight is that all of us have memories. No matter how long you've been alive, you've got a memory. Everybody has a memory. And some people in this room are saying, John, my memories are not that favorable. Some people are saying, I've got memories out there that are painful. I've got memories out there that haunt me, taunt me, and ridicule me, and shame me. People out there are saying, well, I've got memories of a better day, a time in my life that was superior to now. I've got memories of abundance and now I am in lack. I've got memories where I was loved and now I feel rejected. People have got memories. Everybody's got a memory. People have got memories out there and some of those memories are great. You've got memories of a loving family. You've got a sense of confidence. Feel that people believe in you. Somebody said something encouraging to you before you walked into the service. We've all got memories. Some of those memories are good and some of those memories are bad. But what we choose to do with our memories is something that most people have no intentionality over. And if there is one thing that we're learning from this passage of Scripture is that God said, no, 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 I don't want you to be accidental about this incredibly powerful part of your makeup and your being. God is saying to Israel, I want you to choose 12 stones. I want you to remember that what you do with your memories is going to have a powerful impact on the way that you live your life. Are, are you enjoying this so far? I met once a, a guy who moved in the most amazing signs and wonders. I mean, I mean, just a scary guy. I mean, he would pray for people and creative miracles would take place. And he was telling me story after story. And I'll be honest with you, I was in meetings with him. And people were getting miraculously healed, undeniably healed. God was moving in their lives. We get to supper after the service, and like any smart person, I'm like, you do the talking, I'll do the asking. So I said to him, I said, tell me how you've got such great, no, how come there is such an amazing flow of signs and wonders in your life? And he like perked up, he knew immediately, it was obviously a question he was familiar with. And he said, John, three things, three things. He said, number one, I will always in every environment step out of the boat and trust God. And I've never forgotten that. If you ask me to pray for you for healing, I will never go half in. You will never ever have John Cameron pray for you for healing and I will pray for you to feel more comfortable while you're dying of cancer. It will never happen. I will be declaring healing over your life. Cancer be gone, tumors removed, blood disorders gone, eyes be healed, legs warped, sick, whole, dead to life. He said, I always step out of the boat and trust God. And if you believe in God, at least give Him some words that He can use. I'm sick to death of Christians who pray for people to feel more comfortable while they're sick. I just need a good movie to feel more comfortable while I'm sick. Why don't you pray a prayer God can actually answer? Come on, man. Who's sick of lame prayers? Get a real prayer, buddy. Pray for me to be healed. And another thing, by the way, when I'm sick, I need someone else to have faith for me. Who's with me? You know what I mean? It's like when I'm sick, it's the end of the world. I'm a man. It's part of my makeup. 
He said to me, I always step out of the boat. I always trust God. He said, number two, if I walk into a meeting and I pray for people and nothing happens, if there are no miracles, if there is a closed heaven over that service, he said, John, I walk out of that room. I shut a door on it and I will never think about it again. I will choose to have no memory of that moment. You can't erase it, but he said, I'm conscious about what I do with it. The third thing he said to me is, John, I get testimonies every week. People send me emails. They send me photos. They send me doctor's reports of people that are healed. And he said, I have a, high, a whole room in my house dedicated to these stories. He said, I go into this room every single day and around the wall is printed out emails, photos, doctor's reports. I put them all around the wall. It is literally covered, John. I just put the new ones over the top of the old ones. And he said, I go in there every day and I pray and I stand in a place of memories. He literally said to me, and I want you to hear it tonight. He said, I'm able to move in signs and wonders and miracles. And the largest reason for that is because I am active, I am decisive, I am conscious about what I do with my memories. Now, I want you to know that in verse 9 of our passage this evening, we read that it was Joshua who set up the stones. The young guys might have carried them over. That's just smart division of labor, by the way. Get a young guy to carry the stone over for you. But when it came to the construction of the monument, it was Joshua who erected the stones together. In other words, my friend, as I've already said to you, God works the moment we build the monument. God gives us the memory, but we build the memorial. God does the work in our lives. But friends, let's not think for a second that we should allow the moments that God works in our lives to be easily forgotten. If you want your life to increase, if we want memories to work for us and not against us, then we have to learn to be decisive about what we do with our memories. In fact, God said to Joshua, Joshua said, sorry, to the Israelites. He said, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Then I want you to tell them that Israel crossed the Jordan on dry land and God did this so that all nations on earth might see and so that they might fear. He said, I have been intentional about these memories because there is something powerful that is at work with these memories. It goes deeper. These stones, this memory represents more than just a time when God moved. And are you ready for it? I want to tell you what it is. A memory is as real as the moment. See, you're a body and your body lives in a, in a, in a chronology of time. But you are a spirit and your spirit is eternal. And at the end of the day, there are emotions that happen to us in our soul. Our soul. And your soul experiences an impact of stimulus that's going to make it experience a state of being on the inside of you. And that is not the byproduct just of the room that you're in. It is more a byproduct of the memory that you're living in. See, I can be standing in this room right now, but I can be thinking about something else. And the something else that I'm thinking about can be having an impact on the way that I feel. For instance, when my daughter Lara was born, I will never forget that moment in all my life. 
We were in the old Wellington Hospital, and 13 years ago, my little baby daughter popped out into this world four weeks early. She's been in a hurry ever since, always on the move, always on the go for 13 years. And when she came into this world and I held her in my arms, my firstborn child, I will never forget, Jillian and I went from a couple to now a family. I cried like a baby. I couldn't believe it that here was a kid and this kid was mine. I was so emotional. And to be honest with you, if I wasn't on a platform now, I would probably have to be careful about the tears because even as I'm telling you about it, the emotions begin to flood back. And it's the same for us with all of our memories. Because our brains and your soul is impacted by pictures. And it does not differentiate between the timing of those pictures. So there will come a time in our minds where we will call to mind a memory. And when the memory comes to the front of your mind, it might have happened a day ago, a month ago, a year ago, a decade ago, but when the memory comes into our mind, it will impact our emotional state. And because it impacts our emotional state, it decides our current state of being. In fact, in Psalm 42 verse six, David gives to us an amazing way of moving through the minefield of emotions that life gives to us. In Psalm 42 to 6, David said, My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. He said, My soul is downcast within me. Now he's vague, we don't know. Maybe it was the rejection of his brothers. Maybe it was the pain of a betrayal. Maybe it was a difficult day at the office. We don't know what it was, but something made David downcast that day. So he said, I have learned... I have learned that there are some things that make me feel bad and there are some things that make me feel good. David said, I'm feeling low, so I'm not gonna get on Netflix. Isn't it amazing how people can be depressed and turn to Facebook? Did you know, by the way, that the more screen time you have in your life, the more likelihood you have of being depressed? It's a medical fact. And David said, when I am feeling low in my life, he said, when I'm feeling down in my life, I am choosing to go back to the last time that I had a moment with God. The last time God turned up in my life. The last time I crossed the Jordan. The last time I had a moment in worship. The last time I felt a verse. Man, if you keep a journal, you should all keep a journal. Because David said, when I feel like God's not doing anything, I just take a flick a couple of pages back to that moment when I read that verse and my life felt like I had a purpose and I was here for a reason. He said, I'm not gonna live. You might've told me today that I'm a loser, but three weeks ago, God said I was a winner. There was a moment when you rejected me on the school ground, but I want you to know God said that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You might have told me that I have failed an exam, but God said I've already passed this test. He said, I'm not gonna let the moments of life drag me down. I'm gonna let the God of the universe pull me up. Anybody grateful that you serve a God who stooped down to make you great? David said, therefore I will remember you. And friends, friends, our emotional state today is going to be influenced by what we choose to remember about tomorrow. Did you know it's a choice? Not only is it important to build 
monuments in our lives. And if you take nothing out of this message apart from that, take that. That when God moves in your life, build a monument. When God turns up in your world, make sure you remember it. When I was 19 years old and I went to a conference and Winky Prattney preached on revival for six days, I bought the cassette tapes. Yes, that is how old I am. I played the cassette tapes literally, literally, listen to me, literally, I played the cassette tapes all night. When I got into my room at the end of the day, I would put one on and it would go in about every two or three times a night, I would wake up when it changed at the end of the, because we used to have these doubles. Anybody remember cassette tapes? And they would go to one end and then it would go ching, 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 made a, a, a stupid amount of noise and it would change direction. Oh, you don't even know what I'm talking about, high school students. You're like, what is a tape? People are texting their friends. Stop texting, listen to my sermon. But the truth is that I took those tapes, I took what God had done. I took a moment and I built a monument. I took a memory and I built a memorial. If you take nothing else out of the sermon, take that, my friend, that when God moves in your life, make sure you never forget what God has done. But not only is it important to build monuments, I want you to know it's also, also possible to build the wrong monument. See, some people have got monuments in their lives and their problem is that they have the wrong one oozes out of them. They, they just project it. I'm a loser. I'm no good. I'm nobody. Turn with me to Judges 6. In fact, you can just follow on the screen. When Gideon realized in verse 22 that an angel of the, uh, it was an angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Our sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. I'm not going, you're not going to die. That's always encouraging. So Gideon built an altar there, and he called it the Lord is peace, or Jehovah Shalom, by the way, amazing revelation. The Lord is our peace. The same night, the Lord said to him, take the second, altar, uh, second bull from, one of your, from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the Asherah pole beside it, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Now, when we consider Gideon, have you ever asked yourself the question, why did God turn up in Gideon's life? The Lord, Lord turns up to Gideon, who on the outside looks like a scaredy cat. And maybe in your life, you're still feeling timid about the problems that are in front of you. Can I tell you something you can do even when you feel like that? Gideon might have been in that wine press, but when God turned up and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, Gideon responded by saying, well, if the Lord is for us, then where are all his wonders? Because I saw that monument that Joshua erected down yonder by the Jordan River. And if God did that in that generation, then if God split the Jordan in two, if God brought them up out of Egypt, if what our fathers told us about, that is just stirring away in my spirit. We're seeing generations later the impact of what Joshua chose to do. Because every time Gideon looked at that stones, those stones down there by the Jordan at Gilgal, he was realizing that God did move. He was calling to mind the wonders of God. If you want God to turn up in your life, then as much as you ask Him for what He has yet to do, begin to remind Him of what He's already done. 
Begin to remind God of His miracles. Begin to declare over God, oh, your life, what the Lord has already done for you. And my friend, it will lift you out of whatever situation you find yourself in. So Gideon is attracting God. And then the Bible says to him that God comes and he says, Gideon, your father has an altar. Your town is ruled by a pattern of thinking. Did you know that people and groups of people cluster around memories? They do. You get into a schoolyard, you'll find a group over there and a group over there, and they adopt a way of speaking and a pattern of dress and habits and a music style, and everything about it at the end of the day when you break it all down, go back to what it is, and you'll find roots, memories. And when it gets to Gideon's town, the truth is that one of the stones on his father's altar says, God visited us and we are God's chosen people. Then another one says, but we walked away from God and so bad times came to us. And now the Midianites, they just do whatever they want in our town or in our environment. And you know, we've been through a hardship and lack, that's one of our stones. And we've known difficulty and that's one of our stones. And we keep getting ripped off and we never seem to make our way ahead and that's one of our stones. And God literally comes to, to Gideon and this is what he says. He says, they've got a pile of stones, but they've got the wrong pile. See, my friends, if you want God to turn up in your life, sometimes what we have to recognize is it's not just the memories of our life, but the way we arrange the memories. If you want to know whether the memories of your life are arranged rightly or wrongly, I can give you a litmus test right now. Are you ready? Who gets the glory for the journey of your life? Because God literally said to Gideon, he said, I want you to tear it down. You can't change your journey, Gideon. You can't change what your town has been through. But I want you to know that the fact you turned away from God might be one of your stones. And what's happened to you as a result might be one of your stones. It's true. Sin has consequences. Midian has stolen your harvest. You've been through lack. You've been through difficulty. Hard times have come to you. But I want you to know that the number one memory you need is that the God who made you and the God who saved you and the God who called you out of Egypt has not left you alone. He is still moving for you. He is still with you. Somebody might have ripped you off, but God is going to use your life again. The locust might have taken your harvest, but God's going to bring it back. The devil might have meant it for harm, but God's going to use it for good. Come on, if you believe it, lift your voice and give God some praise. God said, it's time we build the right kind of memories. It's time we arrange this thing right. It's time for somebody in this service to be able to get to say that somebody ripped me off in the past. They hurt me. They abused me. I was neglected. I was ripped off by life and society and the devil. But you know what? The story doesn't stop there because God jumped into my life and He turned the mess into a message and the test into a testimony. And He said, I'm going to make all things good and I'm going to make that life beautiful. And now look at what the Lord has done. And God is indeed at work within my life. Come on, if you believe it, let's take a little break and give God some praise. 
abuse is one of my stones and poverty is one of my stones and hardship and the fact that I failed that exam and yeah, there's that painful memory at school, but at the end of the day, the number one memory I have is remember, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember, remember your creator in the days of your youth. He's saying, man, I am a child of the most high God. God loves me. That's who I am. I'm loved by Him. If you believe God made you, give God some praise in this place this evening. Come on. Can I take you one step further and then I'm done? In the book of Genesis, chapter 28, the Bible tells us that Jacob had an amazing moment. For time, I want to summarize it. He takes a stone. He puts it on the ground. And for some reason, he lays down and he used the stone as a pillow when he went to sleep. I don't understand, okay, all right? It was what he chose to do. In the middle of the night, Jacob had a vision, and he saw the angels of God ascending, descending from the throne of God, and God said to him, I am the Lord your God. I'm the God of Abraham, I'm your father. I'm the God of Jacob, your father, and I will be your God. And all that you see, Jacob, I am gonna give it to you. All that the light touches will be yours. <laughs> so the Bible tells us that the next morning, when Jacob wiped the sleep from his eyes, and he realizes what has happened, he jumps to his feet, he picks up that stone, and Jacob built a monument, a memorial. He said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Just the little things, just the little things. Get it in shot, this is pretty, yeah, look at that, I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> Jacob said, I can never forget what the Lord has promised. I can never forget the vision God has for my life. See, I want you to know that you've got some good memories and I've got, you've got some bad memories, but here's what unites the good and the bad. They are in your past. But we serve the God who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And God sees the beginning from the end. So there are moments in the journey of our lives where God reaches in to a part in your journey. And He gives to you, at this point in your journey, a memory in the form of a vision. And the vision is a memory, not of something that's already happened to you, but of a memory that is yet to happen to you. In the last days, said God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your young men will dream dreams, and your old men will have visions. And the thing about a vision and a dream is that it's a memory of an event that is yet to happen in your life. Does this make sense? When you get into that moment in God's presence and something comes alive, when you feel the flutter of heaven or the whisper of God in your life, 
When I was in the car the other day with somebody, and I said, what's your vision? And they said I was in a prayer meeting, and God told me I'd be a preacher, and he gave me the names of five nations that I was going to preach to. The man's lived in the same city his entire life, but here's the thing. God jumped into this moment and gave him at a young age a vision of that moment. Well, here's the powerful reality. The vision that God gives you is a memory. And the impact of a memory that is yet to take place is exactly the same as a memory of something that has already taken place. When you take the vision that God's got for your life and you choose to make it something that you live in and call to mind and put at the forefront of who you are, its impact on your life even before it happens, are you hearing this? will be the same as it would be as if it had already happened. That's the impact and the power of a vision on your life. Let me give you an example. When I was 19 years old, I went to on a, a nine-day spiritual retreat alone. When I was at this beach house for nine days, God gave me over four consecutive days a vision of me preaching on a large platform. There was a big auditorium, a massive crowd on the floor and on the balcony. By the way, at the age of verse of 36, I was preaching on this platform, looked out and saw every balcony bay full that service, the ground floor full that service, and I realized that I was standing in that dream 17 years later in my life. God is faithful to His promises. If you believe it, say amen. But here is the thing. For 17 years of my life, for 17 years of my life, I would live with that picture. I was walking towards it, but I walk into a room knowing that this was my destiny. I walk into a conference, big conference, and I'll be like, I will preach in this conference one day. I will preach on that platform one day. I've never ever walked into an environment and thought to myself, you'll never preach there. I've always thought that's my destiny. I'm going to do that. And guys, if I can be this brutally honest, I've done it. There is not a Christian auditorium I've walked in that I haven't preached in. I've preached at Parachute Festival, Hillsong Conference, done all the big churches in Australia and this country. And the reason why is because when you get a vision of what's ahead of you, I'm not saying that for the glory of John. I want you to know that when God gives you a vision, some 19-year-old here tonight needs to know, some 40-year-old here needs to know that God gave you a vision and He wasn't playing around. But He wants you and I to take the vision of where He's taking us and put it at the front of our mind at the top of the pile. Come on, Jacob said, I might have a name that says he who grasps the heel. I might have ripped my brother off. I might be the rejected one by my father, but God gave me a vision for my life. And what man rejected, God accepted. What someone overlooked, God chose. Does anybody believe that you've been chosen by God in this place tonight? When you know that you've been chosen, don't you let for a moment any rejection, any pain, every difficulty. Did you know in the life of Jacob that he just kept circling back to that memory? Time after time, he named that place Bethel. You read the story of Jacob's life and you'll find he'll wander away for a little bit, but the first opportunity he gets, he comes back. Somebody out there's got a dream journal. They thought they were doing nothing. God says, no, no, no. You've been building a memorial. That journal is life to you. 
you. That, that faith confession is life and health to you. And friend, I want you to know that it's time for somebody in this room tonight to tear down an altar to Baal, to stop making abuse bigger than the promise of God. It's time for somebody to come alive with a vision and a dream. It's time for somebody to tell the devil, you've ripped off my past, you've taken my moment, but God's got a plan for my life and a promise for my future. I won't cave, I won't quit, I won't bow, and I won't surrender. God is on my side. Come on, if you believe it, give Jesus a great shout of praise in this place. I said, give him a great shout of praise in this place tonight. Come on, we lift you up, Jesus. We bless your name. We bless your name. You can stay standing, but let me just tell you real quick. When I was 11 years old, when I was 11 years old, my parents moved from Hillsborough, suburb I loved, to Mount Roskill, the eighth wonder of the world, the only hole above ground. When we got there, we had a paper boy and he used to drop the paper off in the house every day. And I, I've always had a big mouth. And I used to tease the paper boy every day. The name of the house was 44 Haycock Avenue. I can still tell you the phone number, by the way. But anyway, one day my mum said to me, can you go to the dairy and get the milk? Back in the day when we had glass bottles. So I said, sure, mum. And it, the sun had already set. And so I went to the dairy to get the milk. I got halfway to the milk. I was nearly at White Swan Road. And up in front of me comes this BMX bike with the paper, paper boy thing, sack on the front. Then another one on the side, another one on the other side, another one behind me. And the guy in the front, and it's all dark and cold, and he said, aren't you the kid from number 44? The next 30 seconds, I don't remember, but all I remember is running down the middle of my street, yelling at the top of my voice at the age of 11, Mummy! Mummy! <laughs> oh man, that memory would just, just visit me, you know? It's one of my stones. It's one of my stones. I became a youth pastor when I was 23 years old and I've always had a high tolerance for mistakes that our youth pastors made and this is why I'm gonna tell you the story. First time ever, you ready? When I was 23 years old and I became a youth pastor, I was towing kids from our youth group through Cornwall Park on my car. They had, we had ropes going off the back of the car and these kids were, don't try this at home. And I was towing them through Cornwall Park and it was getting boring. So I decided, let's crank up the pace. So I cranked up the pace and they could handle it. So I took it up a little bit more. I took it up a little bit more. And then I watched as this kid looked totally freaked out behind me and he got wobbly and then he just went and he hit the ground. I stopped the car and I went back. And he's like, my hands, my hands. His hands were cut, but his chin was just straight open all the way down the middle. I had to take him to A&E and then take him home and explain it to his parents. By the way, he's Lord's drummer. You know, Lord, it's one of my stones. I'll be honest with you, I'm in my 40s, but I think about that moment regularly. When I was 18 years old, I walked into a little hall in the West Auckland. 
I had a mullet. I drove an HQ Holden. But I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Changed my life. It's one of my stones. When I was 19 years old, I already told you that story. I had a vision four consecutive days. And that, it's one of my stones. And I got to wake up every day. And I got to decide. Does the rejection at 11, does my third form year, which was the worst year of my life, my first year of high school, does that get the top stone? You know, there's a word given about Jesus. That He is the cornerstone. If you're going to build your memories in your life, you've got to build them with Jesus first. You put the dream of God for your life first. Then you can't erase the problems of your life and you can't get rid of the pain of what you've been through. But you take... You take the promise God has for your life and you put the promise of God at the very top and you say, God, you are the beginner of it. And you, what you started, you're going to bring to completion. What you started in my life when I found you, you're going to finish your perfect work. You ain't done with me yet. You haven't given up on me for a moment. You saved my soul, healed my body. Now you're going to fulfill my purpose. You've got a plan for my life. The devil is a liar. I rebuke his word. I'm not going to think about your pain. I'm not going to live in your rejection. I am accepted by God. I'm loved by him, favored by the Most High. God shines over my life. He's got a promise for my tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.